0: Big Swinging Stocks acknowledges the traditional custodians of Australia's lands, skies, and waterways, and pays respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by SelfWealth and operates under AFSL number 421789 as general advice only. Because we can't take into account your personal objectives or financial situation, you should seek independent professional financial advice before making any investment decision. For more information and our financial disclosure statement, check the show notes. love it. It's so salacious. The money's dried up. No one's taking phone calls. The numbers tell the story. What were they going to do about all that bad debt? Unsustained cash boom. The boomers were right.
1: That has not been the case in 2022.
0: That doesn't seem to be the case at all. From a macroeconomic
1: perspective, we're from 18-year-old men.
0: That's amazing. That kind of bucks the trend. What happened? Dividend stocks. So everyone's predicting a recession. My advice for 2023 got a treat for you all a guest who I have been dying to get on the show since day one you might have noticed that for a podcast created by self-wealth we actually don't spend a lot of time pushing the self-wealth brand or investment platform and that's because when Rob my guy in the chair and producer was helping me put this together and we started being swigging stocks we really wanted it to be about education first and foremost We've been wanting to talk to the biggest fund managers, analysts and C-suite execs, especially women, to tell the stories that others were missing. And one story that I felt we were missing was that of Kath Whittaker, SelfWealth's CEO. And just so you know why this is so important, there's still more CEOs called John than female CEOs of ASX listed companies. Now, until today, Rob has kept her away from me for fear of self-promotion. That didn't really fit our educational swing. But as part of our ASX subsector wrap-up, I've found a way in. Today, we're talking about the best and worst ASX sectors of the year. Energy and tech. And with recent self community data shedding some light on the trends in the community, I've managed to get away, I've managed to get my way, and talk to the head hon show to break down the numbers. Kath Whitaker, a pleasure to meet you and a delight to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Alex. A real pleasure to be here as well. Wonderful to talk to a, a female who is as interested in finance and investment as I am and, and just to support Rob because he is a great guy. He is absolutely right in making sure that this platform remains first and foremost education independent and content Aww. focused.
0: But it's great. Rob well, will be love here. to hear that. Millennials crave validation. So he will love that. That's that definitely could, uh, Rob's Christmas <laughs> Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> um, but we'll get into the nitty gritty numbers in a moment. But you know that we start with the same question. And I want to get to know you a little bit. So, what was your first investing memory?
1: My first investment memory was actually a return on investment Ooh. memory. So I grew up on the outskirts of Brisbane from a fairly large family and I was the youngest, but alas, not spoiled as the rumour goes, just the youngest. And so my first memory was uh, heading off to the local school, Fate, having a stand and figuring out how I was going to make some money. So I commandeered at 11 years old my neighbour's shed in the backyard and started to make wooden toys oh. that I could sell. So I very clearly remember thinking about what I now know to be unit cost. I didn't factor labor costs into my production, but I certainly feel like I made the most wonderful crafted toys from one piece of wood, painted them up, flogged them off to unsuspecting parents and friends, etc. And made myself a tiny, tiny oh my God, property. How old were you? 11. <sighs> I was 11. I, and I, I remember it was heading toward the end of primary school. And I think for me, that really cemented my path in recognizing that, you know, you work hard, you put effort in, what you make is what you can earn. And, you know, I had then the ability to go and buy what I liked for that particular summer. It's always stuck with me.
0: What an entrepreneurial spirit. Clearly something that was quite ingrained in you. Did that come from someone in the family or do you just feel like it was something in your spirit? I think it may
1: have been something in my spirit. Um, Certainly uh, my family have worked hard, uh, but you know, that, that particular return on investment piece, I think that's something that's always been within and and I think it's something that, you know, translates into taking risk as well and taking the first step in your investment journey. It doesn't magically happen. No one, certainly in my case, no one landed me with an investment gift. Um, you know, you set, you have to take that first step, decide where you're going to put your money and in some cases your time and to really think about what potential return you're going to get on that. I think that has always been with me.
0: And clearly a capacity to kind of tolerate a little bit of risk.
1: Absolutely. And, and look, we all have our own risk tolerances. That is something, first and foremost, in anyone's investment journey and, and life journey. And so, you know, for me, certainly in the younger years, definitely more keen to, to take more risk. And look, in my case, by and large, it certainly paid off, which is why I'm so grateful and fortunate to be CEO of Self-Wealth, an ASX-listed company.
0: So, 11 flogging handmade toys making a yes. tidy profit to now a female CEO, ASX listed a company in fintech, yes. no less. Let's talk yes. about the gap. How did you get here? Yeah,
1: how I got here, um, you know... Same themes. Working hard. I worked my butt off during university, and and taking a wonderful graduate job. I was always offered opportunities to progress in firms. That journey has taken me to five different countries, where, uh, you know, I've been sponsored by companies to move. And so, um, you know, I've lived and worked in the United Kingdom, United States, Singapore, Brazil, and now, of course, returning to the homeland of Australia. In those companies, I think I was always interested in what's new, uh, what we can do better, that entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, But within the company framework, love tech, love, love, love tech, love just being able to make people's life easier, get to people easier, really think about things differently. So, I think a lot of those elements combined um, made it uh, very opportune for, for, you know, when I was offered the role itself, to take it by the reins um, and see where we can take this amazing company.
0: And so you've clearly been in the industry, been in various industries, various roles for a very long time. Have you seen a change in the space for women over your career?
1: Yes. Well, look, there has been change, but in all honesty... Not fast enough. I still see myself often as the only female in the room, which is surprising. I think that, you know, looking at the positives of it, there has been at least now a recognition that there is the gap, but the gap has certainly not been filled. And, you know, it's that pace of change that I am still concerned by. There is absolutely no reason why I should be the only female. It should be, you know, the stage is big enough for any aspiring leader, regardless regardless of gender, ethnicity, background, et cetera, because financial background is also another uh, key inclusion metric that I'm very keen to promote. And so, you know, you, you see small snippets of change. You see the conversation changing. But the end result is still not where we need to be.
0: Mm. And so obviously apart from signing off on Risqué, fabulous patriarchy mocking podcast names like Big Swinging Stocks, how are you looking at this issue within self-wealth, within your own professional sphere and trying to help resolve equality on all fronts, not as you say, quite rightly point out, it's not just gender, it's also class and ethnicity. Absolutely. And look, you know,
1: out of my 20 plus years abroad, it's made me realise that, you know, we as humans generally want the same thing. We want safety, security, financial freedom, you know, a sense of worth. And so, you know, those learnings has really transcended into how I manage a business. So I uh, actively talk to this topic when we're recruiting for new positions uh, we need to make sure that we've got the diversity of candidates in place. Challenge the unconscious bias. It does exist and we all have it. We are all guilty of it. So it, it needs to be more conscious, needs to be more front of mind. And you know what, you need to inspect what you expect. So in terms of you know getting these things built into performance goals, I believe that is extremely important.
0: And do you think that the performance goals kind of focus the mind? Do you think that's why it's a helpful metric to instill?
1: I believe they, I believe they do. That These things, they should not be assumed as being part of a good business. They absolutely need to be front of mind and, and built in, and that's something that I'm very passionate about.
0: And a good way to keep everyone, to measure it, right, and to see whether we're progressing Correct. or whether we're just sort of patting ourselves on the back. So let's move to your favourite topic. ASX subsectors. Uh, yes. Obviously, we're talking about the best and worst performing subsectors. Let's start with the worst. Yes. Tech. Cath. Yes. What the hell happened this year? <laughs> well, it's very
1: simple with what happened with tech. Money ain't free.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's definitely the best headline we've had so far. Yes, yes. And therefore, it affects your valuation.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Valuation on what? Mm. Uh, You know, so, you know, this is very simply put, you know, interest rates rose and they rose in a way that was quick uh, in unison across, you know, OECD countries. And it really put uh, pressure on, you know, what was known as the growth stocks. Now, I actually have a bit of an issue with the term growth stocks, growth of what, uh, growth of uh, email addresses on a platform, growth of unsustained cash burn, or, you know, growth of unsustainable oh, business God. models.
0: I love it. It's so salacious and it's so true. How does Uber make any money? Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: You know, last time I checked, uh, last time I did that economics degree 20 plus years ago, um, you know, companies should be making profits and there should be a clear pathway to that. Now, of course, we can talk about timing. uh, But, you know, I think it's a pretty simple story, right? As people, uh, we saw an incredible event in the form of COVID um, and COVID tailwinds, you know, very much positively impacted number of companies, most of them tech. And so, as a result, you know, interest rates are back to a level where, you know, they're not exceptionally high. You know, 3% is not exceptionally high in historical context. 0.1% as a cash rate, that was historically low. And so, you know, now we got to a normalized, uh, getting to a normalized state with interest rates. And we've seen massive declines in, you know, valuation of those tech stocks, both in Australia and abroad, particularly on on NASDAQ.
0: And who do you think was hit the hardest?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the hardest from an Australian context was the buy now, pay later sub-segment. When I first joined Selfwealth almost two years ago, uh, you know, they were the absolute darlings of the ASX and, you know... From the, the usage figures that they had, of course, you know, that, that was supported in their story. When we look now at, you know, Zip, uh, you know, from 1st of Jan to where we are now, you know, value their the, the share price is down over 80%. And I think, you know, in the context of uh, interest rates, changing regulations, more awareness in terms of, you know, what the medium to long-term impact is of buy now, pay later for uh, you know, the Gen Zs and the millennial cohorts. I think, you know, a lot of those factors combined while well supported with tech, you know, it, it's going to, it paints a pretty rocky picture yeah. in the years ahead.
0: And to your point around profit, I mean, the opposite of that is like, what were they going to do about all that bad debt that they were just conveniently ignoring? Correct. Yeah.
1: The exponential growth. Mm. So,
0: yeah. Do you think the carnage of this year for the tech sector is normal?
1: Um, I think that, you know, what comes up must come down sometimes. And I think that it was a pretty rapid rise up. And, you know, we're in for another period of what I'd call white water in the tech space. We're not quite there yet. However, uh, you know, there are still incredible opportunities to be had. You know, do we think we're, we've seen, you know, the bottom of the valuations with, with certain companies, you know, we, going to see the rise back up in the next quarter. We all have our opinions on that. I I believe that some tech stocks have been unduly and harshly uh, valued and treated in this period. And I think as those tech stocks, uh, you know, recover and show that they do have a sustainable business model, then they will be duly rewarded
0: in the Mm. quarter to come. So you think they'll go from perhaps being like unicorns to just your classic... Uh, fair, you know, all weather stocks that make money all year round, regardless of what's happening.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that, um, you know, what's interesting about tech, of course, is, you know, what we can see in the listed space versus what we see in the unlisted space. And I think, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the normalization, it's going to be more harshly felt in the privatized Space so those entities that are funded by VCs, PEs, etc. And so you know for a long time, you know the valuations have not been in sync from a, a tech segment perspective between listed stocks versus unlisted uh, stocks. And so I think that balance uh, will be a healthy thing for the industry as a as a whole.
0: There's a lot of hilarious memes about VC money and like the pre uh, pre inflation anxiety and post-inflation anxiety VCs. And they would like just throw tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars and a cat and the, you know, rental in Carbo. And now it was like, mm, we don't even have good coffee to offer you. <laughs> 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 the money's dried up. No one's taking phone yes. calls. But let's talk about yes. the other side. Obviously, mm-hmm. companies have experienced, you know, the hardship. They're also weathering the inflation that we're all talking about as well, perhaps, you know, buffering yes. it somewhat as well, maybe not passing it on as honestly as they could be. But what about for investors? What trading trends are we seeing?
1: Yeah, so in, in terms of specific to tech or across the board? Yeah,
0: let's talk about tech first.
1: Yeah, yep. Um, look, you know, the, the sell-off has absolutely happened, you know, from a, a tech perspective. We can still see nibbles happening, particularly as interest rates get modified, uh, shall we say, or continue to increase across the board. Uh, those opportunistic investors see the opportunity. But, look, by and large, you know, there that, that has been the, the sell that has happened in the last six months. Certainly that's what we've seen on the self-wealth platform.
0: And have we seen people sort of rebalance and basically, I don't know, move into defensive stocks or is it predominantly like a cash pullout and then a hedge My bets? I'll sit on it. What are, we, what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, um, certainly very dependent on the demographic of the investor is what we have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to talk about particular segments, mm-hmm. you know, we have seen uh, folk sell down from the tech stock and reinvest into ETFs to make sure that they've got the coverage. Quite a few folk have headed back into banking on the ASX side and the big four banks. Uh, they've certainly regained uh, their ground in terms of asset profits. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and and I guess, you know, general comment, you know, perceived to be more of the the safer stocks. We did see a massive kind of sell-down happen very early in the year and people holding on to the cash, waiting for the right time to invest back into the market. Interestingly, it's been a bit of a, a wave over the last 11 months or so. In the last two weeks in particular, we have seen people revert back much more into a buy mentality. And so, you know, but again, very dependent on the demographic um, that we're thinking about as
0: well. It's really interesting seeing how the psychology plays out because the market has definitely picked up a bit and people are like, oh, I feel safe investing again. I didn't feel safe when it was going down, but I feel safe now. Um, All right, we'll zoom out a bit or entirely macroeconomic trends. What are we starting to see move the needle and what, what are we going to see kind of like influencing us in the next year or so in the tech sector?
1: So from a macro point of view, it still has to be about interest rates, inflation, etc. I think that, you know, consumer confidence is still getting a pounding. You know, central banks across the world are, you know, forcefully insisting on us holding back our spend, etc. So, look, from a, a tech perspective, I think that it's, you know, that there will be a few opportune who will kind of win in this space, but it has to be, uh, you know, what are you what's the purpose of the company, right? Is it, is it entertainment? Is it goods? Is it services? And, you know, a very interesting stat that, that came out just yesterday for the Australian economy was, you know, it's December time. People should be buying things. And that's just not the case this year. Instead, you know, the spend on services far outstrips the spend on goods. Now, when you think about that from a tech perspective, you know, how does that complement? So, so yeah, I think, um, I think still a lot of white water from, from certainly in the first half of, of next year.
0: Because it's really interesting, Johannes, the retail subsector expert from Morningstar behind us come in last week or the week before Mm -hmm. and you know Black Friday moved the sales event up to November and so December is quieter but the banks are all watching and waiting to see when consumer spending and demand kind of levels out in light of a inflation and rising costs but also an impending recession and it'll be really interesting to see obviously everyone's predicting a recession we just don't know when it's going to hit how bad it's going to be how long it's going to be yada 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 but yeah. I'm fascinated to see for like first-time investors how they weather that, because you know it, it's a really intense experience, especially if yeah. at the same time they might potentially be losing their jobs. And um, yeah, so that'll be also an yeah. interesting component of next it year. Is. Moving on to the best-performing sector, mm-hmm. energy. Yes. What what happened? Why? The darling, the darling, you know, value stock, Warren Buffett's favourite industry. What happened this year? Yeah, uh, a couple of things
1: happened this year. So there's certainly uh, things still in the ground that people want and need.
0: <gasps>
1: so,
0: clean energy says who? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, and look, you know, I'm one of the, the biggest advocates for clean energy, but look, there, there's no denying that, you know, oil, gas, coal—they're back.
0: The boomers were right, basically. The boomers were right to yes. keep their retirement fund yes. and coal.
1: Absolutely, you yeah, know, absolutely. And you know, in this time of uncertainty, people are looking for certainty. And so, you know, the, the names are back, New Hope, uh, Whitehaven, you know, all up multiples. And I think, you know, but, but then, you know, you see on the, on the, the side as well. I mean, lithium, which I know not technically is, uh, within the energy sector, but I've always popped it in, you know, to support, uh, EV and, uh, you know, It's very pleasing and and heartwarming for me to see, you know, those interest in in lithium stocks still occurring. Once again, you know, I I used to joke with the team, you know, if if you put lithium in uh, any description of a company, its it's share price is is sure to kind of increase twenty percent overnight. Um, I think, you know, again, uh, investors have become a bit more savvy to that. You know, you've got your performers and your non-performers, even within that subsector too. So I think in the energy sector in particular, um, what we've seen is far more trading. And I say trading on purpose, not investing, because what I mean by that is just the, the volume of buys to sells that has happened this year. As I think investors are looking for dividend stocks, looking for stocks that, you know, are seeing more of the, the fluctuations and certainly on the up, um, they are, you know, Keener to invest, to sell, to then invest some more. So, you know, that that's a pretty clear trend that we're seeing in that in that energy sector.
0: Ah, oh, interesting. So maybe taking profits, I mean, it's Correct. all speculation, but perhaps taking profits, maybe people seeing it as the right time to move out yes. of energy, especially of like the sort of more perhaps short-term or considered to be short-term, less clean energy Correct. stocks. It's really interesting, really Absolutely. interesting. All right. Yep. I want to finish on a fun one. I've seen the stats that you and Rob have pulled about how Australian demographics are investing and you mentioned it before that there is a bit of a demographic split. And It's like, you know, different ages have different priorities. But I want to start with boomers. Kat, what are they doing in their beautiful paid-off houses that they could afford?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Look, love the boomers. Uh, You know, they're being opportunistic. They are absolutely, I think that it might come down to a confidence in the market. You know, this is not the... Or a low tax bracket for, the, for those capital gains. <laughs> Maybe, but I think, you know, they, they, you know, in terms of what's happening from a macroeconomic perspective, um, you know, we've seen, you know, GFC, we've seen previous downturns before uh, as, as markets turn into bear market territory. For those who have experienced that before, this is a, an immense time to trade, and so we just see the sheer volume um, of trades coming from the boomers on our platform, and they are a growing cohort on the self-off platform. And so, you know, it's we see days of very heavy sells from the boomers, as you know, they're predicting rate rise impacts, mm-hmm. but then on the flip side, some huge days. On the buy side as well. So, you know, we used to maintain a pretty steady buy to sell ratio in 2021. That has not been the case in 2022. It has been up and down. Um, and it has been driven by the boomer cohort. When you flip to, you know, our younger demographics, I absolutely loved seeing what was happening in the age group between 18, to 25. I was particularly interested to see um, the the cohort that had the highest ratio of buys, which was 90% in 2022, were from 18-year-old men.
0: That's amazing. That kind of bucks the trend that they're impulsive and always trading. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. Spot on.
1: So, you know, I think they've seen the opportunity. They're looking to buy. Um, and they're willing to hold and, you know, that the next demographic from that were, were females, early twenties. And, you know, they had buy ratios of, uh, above 80% for the year as well. So similar again, you know, wanting to buy, to hold and, and look, you know, self wealth has, has been a platform for, you know, DIY investors and, Absolutely, you know, support the ethos of dollar cost averaging. You know, invest, maintain that investment, hold. You know, look at the market, look at it over the medium to long term. You know, the the numbers tell the story. There will be a benefit, um, and so you know, it is just really pleasing to see that message. I think has been understood by the younger cohorts on our platform.
0: Yeah, really taken to heart. Are we seeing any? interesting nuances across geography, like difference between city buyers, regional, rural buyers. Yeah. So I have to be very careful
1: at this point. So even though I live in Melbourne and I am a born and bred Queenslander and so, you know, state of origin is, is very close to my heart. Um extremely <laughs> serious topic here in Queensland. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have seen a bit of a divergence uh, between the states. And so, you know, our our Western Australian clients are very much uh, on the buy side investing. I think, you know, have more of a a confidence and familiarity certainly around and minerals, and we see that come through on the platform. I'm sure that there is a, a PhD student out there listening at the moment who would be interested in doing some kind of economic Uh, study on that but uh, you know it it just shows again you know the impact that that consumer confidence investor confidence really does have in terms of investment and and buying decisions.
0: Yeah how much we rely on our you know our familiarity with particular companies as well. Correct. Uh, that's all for us today. I have to say thank you so much. It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast, and obviously a dream of mine since we started this. So thanks, Rob, for convincing you to come on. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wonderful chat. Thank you for coming and chatting to us.
1: No, thanks for the opportunity, and thank you to all of the listeners on the podcast. Um, thanks, Alex. You know, we, we self worth has done this to provide that independent forum for for people to educate, be educated, uh, provide content, different perspectives. Um, so thank you for all your support.
0: And if you could leave our listeners and the self-wealth investors with one piece of wisdom for 2023, what would it be? My advice for 2023 is don't
1: stop believing, keep investing, the market will change again. And there is some incredible opportunities out there to take advantage of and to have a happy and healthy year.
0: Oh, beautiful. Well, there you go, folks. Stay the course. Thank you, Kath, for coming along. And we'll see you in the new year. Hope you all have a very happy, very restful holiday period.